And we welcome you to Tuesday People, the podcast inspired by the book Tuesdays with Maury. And I am the author of that book and host of this podcast, Mitch Album. Very happy to be here with you. A happy holidays to all of you who are joining us in the upcoming new year. Lisa Goitsch, my friend and producer of this podcast, is alongside. Lisa, you had a good Christmas? Oh, a wonderful Christmas. I love Christmas. It's my favorite time of the year. It's the most wonderful time of the year, isn't I've it? I've heard that. I've heard that. <laughs> I've written songs along those lines. So uh, this podcast is is inspired, as I mentioned, from the lessons I learned from my old college professor, Maury Schwartz, that I chronicled in the book Tuesdays with Maury and still resonate with people around the world, it seems, uh, so many years later. Today's podcast is a little more current in its theme because we find ourselves in a very uh, unusual cusp of a new year. And yet, when I think about it with regard to Maury, it is actually more in common with what he experienced in his last year than different. Even though Maury never had to live through a COVID-19 experience, he did live through something far worse. He lived through ALS and the last stages of it. And many times during this pandemic, I have spoken to people about the worst parts of it, things they found the hardest, people who have had COVID and people who just have had to deal with the fear of getting COVID. And I heard things like, well, I can't leave my house. Yeah. Uh, I can't, I was quarantined, so I couldn't even leave my room. Yeah. I couldn't go upstairs. I couldn't go downstairs. Yeah. I couldn't get in my car and go out where I wanted to. Yeah. People who aren't crippled by the actual virus still say, I can't go to restaurants like I used to. Yeah. Can't see my friends the way I used to. Yeah. Can only communicate with people via a computer or a device. Yeah. Life is not the same as I enjoyed it before. Yeah. Every one of those sentences, Maury Schwartz said to himself, as has pretty much everybody who's ever been afflicted with ALS, has said to themselves, during the early stages and continuing stages of that disease, think about it, can't leave the room. ALS patients, once the disease has advanced, can't leave any rooms unless someone is helping them. Can't go do the things I used to do. That goes without saying. Uh, locked inside, can't go upstairs, downstairs. Same true for people who have ALS. Have to talk to my friends through devices. Most people I know who have survived ALS are using computer technology that they blink their eyes or maybe they move their toe, a single toe that they still have movement left in on a trackball to type words. You think that the Zoom device is difficult. Imagine wow. just to say the word hello, you've got to blink a certain amount of times to get a computer to recognize your eye blinks or move your toe to the H, then the E, then the L. So what does this teach us? Well, as Maury taught me literally every day of my visits with him for all the months that he had left in his life, that things can always be worse, and that for some people, they are worse. And yet, those people 
frequently end up finding a silver lining in those terrible circumstances. And so we end up saying to them, the observers, the healthy observers of people who have ALS, the healthy observers of of people who have to struggle with debilitating diseases, we end up saying to them, hey, I don't know how they deal with the burdens and the difficulties of that disease. And B, how is it that they have a better attitude towards life than I do? I can't tell you how many times I flew back from visiting with Maury and said to myself, you're 37, which is my age at the time, you're perfectly healthy, and he's 78 and he's dying, and he's happier than you are. He's more content than you are. He's more at peace with what he's done than you are. How can that be? So it taught me that it's not circumstance. It's not affliction. It's not burden that makes us have a certain attitude of gratitude and of appreciation and even of joy. It is our internal approach to life that ultimately determines that. So we're going to do a little exercise today, Lisa in kind of putting the program together and thinking about what would be appropriate for this last Tuesday of 2020, came up with what I think was a very good concept, which is instead of thinking all that we have lost during this pandemic, let's make a list of what we have gained Let's make a list of the things we have brought into our lives as a result of pandemic, the enrichments that we have had as a result of COVID-19, the gains we have made in a year when everybody, except Amazon, was defined by their losses. And you can play along with us at home, but I also highly recommend that you do your own home game version of this as you head into the new year. It will help with any depression that perhaps you might be experiencing with the holidays, and it will help with a good attitude towards the early part of 2021, which is probably not going to look a whole lot different than the last part of 2020, even though we like to think so because it's a new calendar year, but it's going to be a while before the vaccine and all the rest of that takes effect, and we'll endure it. So let's talk about some of those things. What have you gained, gained in this past year? We already know what people have lost financially, what they've lost, work-wise, what they've lost, school-wise, what kids have lost, progressing on whatever programs you might have been, whether it be a, a graduate school program, an educational program, working your way up at work, anything like that. We know the losses. Let's talk about the gains. Lisa, I'm going to start with you. We'll go back and forth. Okay. Okay. Tell me a gain that you made or you found that you've made in 2020, the year of coronavirus. I would say the first thing is um, because my husband, who's a musician, has been off the road. You know, he's gone all the time. We've been married now for 20, almost 20 years. In that 20 years, I would say that I haven't seen him, uh, you know, probably half the year, most years, Hmm. he's gone. 
But because of this, since March 14th, he's been home. I've been working from home. We've been together every day. Now, for better or for worse, but mostly right. for better. Right. I mean, it's the first, it's the longest we've ever been together in our 24-year relationship. And I see that as a big plus, you know, yeah. where we do things around the house, we fix things. He might not be working, but he finds ways to try to make ends meet. And he, you know, he, to get his craft out, he plays, he does Zoom calls with his band, Uh you know, so he too is trying to do as much as he possibly can during this time. But I would say that's probably the primary thing. Okay. Is it's strengthened our relationship. Now, that's how about you? One. That's a great one. Put that down. If you've got a, a pencil over there, a pen, let's count how many we can come up with here in the course of this podcast. Okay. So that's a nice big one. Okay. okay I'm going to, this is a little bit like tennis now. You, you hit it okay, over the net. You. I'm going to hit it back over the net. Okay. I'm going to say, that one of the gains was rediscovering the joy of dinner unrushed at home. <laughs> now, That's I know that one. this doesn't <laughs> apply to everybody, but I'm a person who gets home from work late uh, because I do a radio program in Detroit, and then I first drive home. So it ends at 7. Frequently, I can't, I don't get home until 7.30, 7.45. Um that's late for somebody to do any cooking or anything like that. And, and most of the time, my wife and I or friends and I will go out to eat. Restaurants are plentiful where I live. It's convenient. Why not? But I got quite used to the whole idea of, you know, going to a restaurant, waiting for the menu, waiting for, for the table, waiting for the menu, waiting for someone to come over. Oh, they got the order wrong. Oh, uh, you know, I would like some more of this, but I can't, you know, you only get the portion that you get. And I don't want to order mm -hmm. a second one because then we're going to be here for another 20 minutes or things like that. So it's that, it's that restaurant uh, mentality of like, I need to know what I want. I need to order it. Gosh, this is kind of expensive. Do I really want to get two of them? I'll just get one. Should I have dessert? Or I don't like the desserts that they have around. Now, I have not eaten out in a restaurant maybe once in an outdoor thing in nine months, 10 months almost. Yeah. We have eaten at home. And we have had people who have been living with us, so we're not violating anything. And so we would all... Just get together with one another each night at home. It was the same crew for the most part. Once in a while, someone might come over who we knew was safe. But otherwise, it's the same crew of you know some of the kids who live with us from Haiti and one or two of our relatives who've been staying with us. And every night, same time, sit down, table set. Everyone had a little job. And I forgot how much I, I sort of uh, missed the, the little roles. You know, when you go to a restaurant, it's all done for you. You know, your role right. is to stand online and tell the person, <laughs> tell the person at the counter how many you have for your table. Right. But so one person would set the table and one person would heat up the food. I'm a master microwaver. I'm, I'm, I'm that's my, that's my key talent. <laughs> that's your thing. That's yeah. my key talent that I bring to the meal is uh, I, I can microwave things really well. I know how to like warm them and, and just kind of, I don't have to blow it all up and how much time a slow turn and to stir and to put a little uh, napkin on top with, with that's moist and keeps the moisture and all these little tricks uh, to do that. And, other, and, and other, other members would do the washing of the dishes or get the desserts ready or things like that. And we would just sit there and 
and go for a long time. I mean, these things would start at seven o'clock. I didn't have to wait to come home from work. I finished the radio program right. in my in my office and walked right upstairs. Thirty seconds later, ah, sitting down the at the part. table, and it reminded me so much of of my young life when I was a kid. Yes, because we did the same thing. We didn't eat out. We ate at the dinner table all the time, and the joy of the dinner table, and being able to help yourself to seconds. And, you know, mm-hmm. thirds, you don't have to say, uh, waiter, could I get, you know, and you feel like a pig when you order a second helping of something at a restaurant, <laughs> but you don't do that at your house when you really like, mm, I'll have some more of this. Um, it was right. a joy. So I gained dinners at the dinner table. That's mine. Back over the net to you, Lisa. Okay. Well, I'm going to expound on yours because I, I have learned the joy of cooking, uh, someone who doesn't cook at all, much like you, I am a master of microwaving. I too had that same long drive home all the time, but now I'm cooking every day. I do admit I have complained about, oh my God, I have to wash more dishes um, mm. <laughs> because I've never had so many dishwashing things in my life. Our, our, our sink is always like full, you know, <laughs> there's so much going on there. But I like the fact that I can cook and make foods, which in turn, I've been able to lose weight, which is a strange thing during this pandemic. While so many people are gaining weight because I'm not eating out so much like at work, we have food trucks, you know, Um, they're wonderful. They're great. But everything is fried. You can't control what's in it. You just have to eat what you get at home. I can control what I put in my food and how you and and how I make it. And mm-hmm. so I've been eating super healthy. I've lost 43 pounds. Uh, wow. I vary a little bit between 43 and 45 pounds. And um, I would say that's a big plus. And that's all because I am not eating out every single day and wow. saving money, by wow. the way. That saves us all money because you're not spending $30 on a dinner. Right. You know, Times two. here in Los Angeles, a breakfast, yeah, yeah a breakfast right. here costs us, we never get away without $45 for breakfast for two right. people, wow. so, which is insane. <laughs> yeah, considering now so, when you're at home and you see how it really costs for an egg, you know. It's yeah, like, I know. Like, Wait a minute, I was paying $45 for these omelets, I, I'm making one twice the size right here. Well, that's I a know. good one, all Suddenly, right, so the cooking cooking yeah. is an excellent one. So there's three. Okay, okay so back, back to over you. to me. Um, I have gained the joy of walk and talk. Mm. I have to say mm-hmm. that this is not something that I have done unless I have gone on a vacation. It's very interesting. When I go on vacations, go with my wife or if we go occasionally with other people, whatever, I am always saying, come on, let's go take a walk. Let's explore. Let's let's go around. And we'll take walks. And if I'm with members of my family, whatever, we'll walk and we'll walk in a city that we haven't been, walk down a beach someplace where I I love to walk and explore things. And of course, conversation ends up coming out of that because you're, you're on a, you know, you're taking a walk, but at home, I never walked around this neighborhood where I live. (laughs) Why would I? I mean, the only thing I ever did once in a while, we used to walk to the store that's uh, nearby here. But then during the summer in particular, when I didn't want, I just could not do a, 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 an elliptical machine and one more time. I was just fed up with it, yeah. you know, and it's the only <laughs> device that we have in the house there. Uh, and, of course, friends were a little hesitant about coming over on the inside, but we could get together and walk on the streets. And I live in a, a lovely neighborhood, and so it became an absolute daily thing. We did it seven days a week, 
what time are we walking? That was the question that would mm-hmm. bounce off between my friends and I or whatever. What time are we walking? And we would just take these walks and they started, you know, 20 minute, half hour. By the time we were done, we were up to two, two and a half hour long walks. Wow. I would look at this, you get these devices on your phone about how many, how, you know, like the pedometer, yeah. how much you've walked. And we'd be doing five miles, five to six miles of walking, never even realizing it. And we just kind of fall into this lazy conversation across the street from one another because we wanted to be safe. So one of us would be on the other side. But there wasn't any traffic because nobody was driving around very much. Yeah. And so uh, I even ran into uh, one time I was walking and Barry Sanders, the uh, famous football player, former football player, was driving down the street and – he saw me roll down his window and said, Mitch, uh, you? I said, Barry, we had a nice little conversation. Never would have happened. I mean, I would never run into, I would right. never run into, you know, him uh, anywhere else. So, uh, you know, so uh, I, I just think that um, walking and talking, such a simple thing, but I had not done that in years unless I was on a vacation. And to now know that it is a great thing to do right around my home is definitely a gain for me. So that's four. Yes. All right. Over yeah. to you. And definitely, um, just to, to expand yours a little bit, I because I don't, and this is going to go into what my next thing is, because I don't have to drive to work and drive home in horrible Los Angeles traffic, which can take me up to two hours to get home every day, I'm home all day. And I finish working at about seven o'clock. So in the summer, much like you, we were walking every night. Our whole neighborhood was out walking. It's it's so great to see just so many people outdoors. And we don't really have, you know, Los Angeles isn't a very uh, foot travel friendly place. Right. You know, most people are in their cars all the time. So it's been so nice to see neighbors in their faces and who lives here. And I, I don't know who these people are, you know, but right. now we get to see all these people throughout our neighborhood. But that's not my thing. Well, that's a good one. That should definitely count. That's five right there. That's that's connecting with your neighbors. You can do two if you and your neighbor. Yeah, but just saying, connecting with the neighborhood. Neighborhood, Um, right? And um, and it really well. I'll just just touch on my other one, which was just taking driving out of it. I'm so happy to not be in my car all the time. I hate the stress of driving here. And um, so your gain was the loss of commuting and traffic yes and i love just yeah and because of that it saves me so much time at home which gives me the opportunity to do things like walk i can walk during the day i can take a break i can walk at night uh it gives us exercise we get fresh air fresh ish air (laughs) so i think that's three right there uh you gained you gained knowing your neighborhood you gained the lack of having to commute and you mm-hmm. gained additional time in your day that you used to have to give away to something that was, let's face it, not productive in any way. It was a means to right. an end. It was a way to get you to work and a way to get you home from work, but in and of itself wasn't productive at all, and you were able to lose that. No. Yes. That's three things right there. So that's five, yes. six, and seven we're up to. Yeah. No question. No question. Um, yeah. So okay. I, I'm going to say... Uh, again, I'll make this a gain both for me, but also for, uh, I'm going to expand it to society. I think I made, and we as a society, made tremendous gains in technology that helps us uh, overcome things. So, for example, um, 
I have been able to have some visits with doctors that would have been difficult for me to do even if in, in non-COVID uh, right. because I couldn't be there. I wasn't in town when they wanted to do it, but because we developed the Zoom program where we could talk to one another over the thing and I could send my charts and they could check my charts while I'm talking about it, I was able to actually see more doctors yep. than I probably would have been physically able to get to without this. And that form of technology, mm-hmm. the the virtual checkup, the Zoom, I mean, we, we all take Zoom for granted, but remember, there was 10 months ago, nobody even knew what a Zoom was. People were saying, nope. Zoom, have you heard this thing, Zoom? It's a, we all felt like my grandmother, you know, coming over from the, from the, <laughs> the, the old country. That's with the Zoom. I got a Zoom. And now nobody, there's not anybody in the country doesn't know what Zoom is. And everybody's yeah. doing it with, for their particular things. And we've been able to, I've, I've worked on um, three different movies uh, and, and, or three or four different movies and TV shows that I probably never would have been able to work on or, or advance, at least at this speed, because of Zoom and because I was able right. to, to talk with uh, the people I was working with. Them. And it's not that, the, you know, we could have done this before, but we didn't. We waited until mm-hmm. the thing was, well, when can you get out here? Well, I can't get out there until mid-January. Oh, yeah, I'm going to be gone in mid-January. I'm going to be back in February. Yeah, no, I got to be back home in February. Well, how about March? All right, we'll do it in March. We'll get together in March. We'll have a meeting in March. Now it's like, what are you doing tomorrow? What, what, mm-hmm. what are you doing at 1 o'clock? And so I think we had a big gain in technology that serves the way we live and our yeah. particular problems, not not just distracting technology uh, like, like video games, but technology that actually helps us. People had to come up with things. I have a nephew who was a wonderful dancer, I mean, you know, really, really successful and trained and everything. And uh, he had been dancing on cruise lines uh, on some of those uh, ships and was doing very well and everything. And then, of course, they, they closed down. And so what could he do? So he started a dance class out of my sister's house with a camera uh, and mm-hmm. online, and he started getting people, and then Zumba classes and things like that. And now he's got a whole following of people yeah. who who are in his class that he probably, if he was in New York where he had been living, never could have started his own class up because where are you going to get the rent? Where are you going to get the space? Everything's going to be right, too expensive. Right. How are you going to do it? But but just by go- being innovative online, he was able to yep. get a following, and people, and now he's. Got quite a quite a number of people who follow him regularly and come to his classes regularly. He used technology to his advantage in this pandemic, and I think a lot of people have. So that's a big gain. That's eight. Yep. Tech to connect. Tech to connect. It's tech to connect. It's going to be, and and I think we're all going to be using all this for a very long time. You know, I do another. Um, little, I have a little little side businesses, and. I had this company called A Girl on the Go, and I wanted to do these GOMOs, which were motivational, you know, you could, you know, speakers and stuff like that. And I could never figure out a way to do it, you know, nationally. I kept thinking, well, maybe people can get like local chapters and they can do their own. And now I'm able to do those everywhere. You can, I can have people on in Italy, you know, and I never would have thought about that before. Or we didn't have the technology to do that before, and now we do. So those are really great. Like, I mean, it's like that's our technology is wonderful. I wish my dad, who's ninety eight, would have could embrace it, but he can't. So the only way I can still talk to him is by phone. 
Well, no, I hate that I can't that. see his Remember, face. Remember, once, once upon a time, the telephone was considered the height of technology, too. So. <laughs> that is true. And in his lifetime. We didn't have it. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, and in, in his, his lifetime, lifetime. <laughs> by the way, <laughs> there was no, a time where that, that wasn't even around. So okay, I okay, so say, that's eight. All right. Yeah, my next thing would be, geez, I don't know. I I I'm a homebody, and I've 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 discovered the art of being at home. Mm-hmm. You know, and for me, I I really am enjoying not having to go places or to say no to people. You know, I always hate having to say no to people when I don't want to do something or even worse, saying yes and going to do things that I don't want to do. And then I'm mm-hmm. just cranky the whole time, you know? Yeah. So it's been really wonderful to not have to do so many things. Like there's a beauty in just sitting at home and uh-huh. watching TV and being with your family and, um, you know... I think parents must be embracing this, you know. Uh, right. They get to play games with their family. Everybody's doing puzzles now and baking right. bread. And, you know, my girlfriend's kid is taking like an online cooking class. She's seven. And they bake things together. And nobody would have been doing this prior to this. No right. way. Right. So I think uh, that's that's two separate ones. One is the appreciation of home and just uh, a home space if you're blessed to have a, a, enough of a space to call uh, call it home, uh, a lot of people have come to appreciate their homes and how lucky they are to have something, a place to move around in, and and, yes. and how content they can be. Not couch potato content, but just, hey, you know, I don't have to be out all the time. I don't have mm-hmm. to be away from here all the time, and it's okay to be quiet. I think that, that, that the value of quiet and home and sense of home is definitely a gain and a separate one from one that you touched upon, which I've, I've had in my own way and, and a lot of people I know have had as well, which is families have been able to spend time together in yes. configurations that they thought were long gone. What I mean by that is kids from college or kids who graduated college who figured we, we will never have them back in the house again. Parents who figured we're done with our child raising time and we're only going to see our our children when they come to visit got like mm-hmm. a an extra bonus time where the kids would move back in with their parents because they didn't want to live far away in a city. Let's say yes. that they, it was COVID hot and there was no job anyhow. So they came back. So I know so many, you know, 23, 24, 25 year olds who came back home and their parents are so delighted to have another nice. crack at it, you know, just to yeah. have the kids back in the house again after you it's miss awesome. them. We had that here with um, two of our young men from Haiti who are in their 20s who came up and they're going to college not far from here we see them and they come by to visit periodically but now they they couldn't stay at college because they closed the universities down so they moved back in and suddenly we had two kids again so to speak i mean they're in their 20s so yeah but it was great because we had all this time of just having having them casually around they were still able to do their schooling on online and all that but here they were and so we were just one of many, many people who regained sort of uh, a, a, an extended family for 
a period of time that it isn't supposed to happen in the normal passages of life. It's, we're supposed mm-hmm. to be done with that. But we got to get the, the group, the band back together. It's sort of like after the band breaks up and then you get back <laughs> together and you put out the reunion album. Uh, that's what they got. So there's another one there. I'm, I'm losing track already. We're already at 10 or We're at t- about 10. Yeah, we're at 10. Right. 10, okay. So that's a good one. So um, so wait, that was yours now, right? You expanded yeah. on that. Was that you mm-hmm. or me? I'm not, I'm not I sure was expanding who had that on last you. one. I was expanding. That was on a, you. so that I'll count that. So do you have for another you. one? Sure. Yeah. Oh, there are so okay, many. Okay, what's? Of them. Give All me right. another one. I think that we gained the ability to know what it was like to have to pull together as a country with a single common enemy and a single common concern. Mm. Now, mm-hmm. I know that a lot of people want to talk about the non-maskers and the maskers and the people battling and the Trump take on this and all the rest of it. But my take on it is that overwhelmingly, and when I say overwhelmingly, I'm talking 80, 90% of of people felt that they were all in the same boat. Mm -hmm. And you could feel this when you go out and stand online to get into a Costco, stand online to get into a Kroger's store, wait outside because they have too many people there. What that does is it puts you in, in its own way, it's it's that weird Russian bread line thing that nobody ever right. wanted to be on. But by the same token, there is a unification of, hey, we're all the same. You're trying to get into Costco behind someone who looks like they don't have as much money as you and ahead of someone who looks like they have twice as much money as you. Uh, someone who drove up in a fancier car, someone who drove up in an old beat-up thing, someone who's got kids, someone who doesn't. It doesn't matter. You had to wait mm-hmm. your turn to get in. You couldn't jump the line because you had different status. And even this vaccine, I think, in its own way, is also saying, because I love these stories, of course, are coming out of California, where people are saying, um, people are offering $25,000 donations to the hospital to jump the line and get a oh, vaccine. Oh, jeez. <laughs> oh, boy. And you're seeing this. <laughs> the stories originally came out of California. I'm sure that it's happening in other places, oh, too. Goodness. But um, But they're saying, no, you can't. Okay? You got to wait. You can't buy your way into this line. And mm-hmm. we are now having to say, collectively, we need to save our senior citizens first. Mm-hmm. There is an appreciation for the fact that, uh, and I'm going to make this two because there's the, there's a unifying factor, but the, the second one is this appreciation of our elders and our senior citizens mm-hmm. and how vulnerable they, they always have been. But then this disease, you know, normally with, with flu-related uh, viruses, it's kids that you worry about. That's mm-hmm. the norm. That's the flu season. What do we always worry about? We worry about kids getting the flu. But this one really turned it on its ear. And it made our senior citizens so vulnerable. And the stories of the nursing homes and the people who were lost and the stories of our grandparents who got it and had to go to a hospital and died in a hospital while saying goodbye to their family on a on a Zoom because no one was allowed yeah. in the intensive care room. And you had to say your goodbyes over a screen while a nurse held up her iPhone. Yeah, horrible. I think that that has brought all of us to a new appreciation and sense of protection for our senior citizens. 
And as political as this vaccine has been, as political as the COVID-19 has been, I didn't sense one smidgen of resentment across the board when they came out and said, we're going to vaccinate the old people first. And we're going to get to, you know, people over 80 first and then people over 75 and then people over 70. It seems like everybody was good with that. They may not all be good with the essential worker question and who's essential and who isn't. And there's a lot of monkeying around with that and people trying to slide in under, I'm essential, I'm a banker, you know. (laughs) And they say, wait, bank tellers are essential. Bankers are not necessarily essential. But but I think this universal uh, appreciation and sense of protection for our elders is something that was definitely on the wane in this country. We didn't care about old people at all. Old people didn't matter in marketing and so therefore they didn't matter in life you know their 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 demographic group wasn't a, a pursued one so entertainment didn't go after them and etc and and they were sort of just thank you thank you for being part of life move out of the way stupid mm-hmm. expressions like get off my lawn guy you know which i hate mm-hmm. that stuff it's just insulting it's ageist and and a lot of that has faded away in this new appreciation because we see how quickly we can lose our grandparents, our parents, you know, wise old professors and and, and people like that. So um, that's two more that mm-hmm. I think go right on the pile there, which takes us, I think, to uh, 12, right? Yep. All right. Back so now we are you. at 12. Um, I would like to say there are a lot of people learning new skills. And again, it's through technology. People are learning things like painting and cooking and um, writing classes and all sorts of things that, again, we wouldn't have had time for uh, pre-pandemic. And two, some people are learning them as new skills because they've lost their jobs. So they're taking classes online. There's so many different platforms that offer offer classes now. uh, you know, either through universities, like extension programs, right. or just companies like that masterclass, which is such a cool thing to do. Right. I love masterclass. But you get to hear, you know, how the pros work and what people do, and you just get to learn new things. And I, I just think that's a blessing for all of us to be able to gain knowledge during this time. Right. I know a lot of people have start, started studying languages and uh, yeah. found time to... Uh, and some have learned new skills because they've had to because their business model just didn't work, and so they got into different things. Other people learned new skills because they were stuck at home, so they learned how to garden, learned how to yeah. uh, take care of bees, you know, the I kinds know. of things that you <laughs> start crazy. doing doing in your backyard, <laughs> learned how to do woodwork, uh, all that. Yeah. And yeah, I think that that's Everybody's all. learning. We did not, I'm going to tell you, we did not master the sourdough bread. We tried. A friend of ours gave us some sourdough starter because that was yeah. all the rage. Right. She gave us some starter. So we had this like live blob in our house. And yeah. uh, we, I, 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 it was too much science. I, I, I believe we killed it. And um, <laughs> uh, it's either that or it's living in a landfill somewhere right now. And it's really, really big. Really but, big piece um, of sourdough bread. We never quite mastered the bread, so I went to the grocery store and bought myself a big giant loaf of sourdough bread and brought it home and toasted it. And that's funny. <laughs> and it was that's just funny. as good. <laughs> All right, that's thirteen. Here's another one: um, teachers and teaching. I think we have come to learn that there is no substitute for the teacher-student relationship, and mm-hmm. if there's any 
was going to be any movement in the future towards, hey, let's use technology to replace teachers or let's just put kids in front of screens and let them learn. on. I think everybody has learned a very big lesson. No child learns as well remotely or on a screen or all the rest of it as they do in person with the teacher and seeing the full face of a teacher. Yep. Not a, we, we've come to, here's the second part, we've come to appreciate our faces, uh, the yep. lower half of our faces in particular, that a <laughs> smile makes all the difference in the world to a yeah. child especially. And a lot of people were starting in education to sort of move in the direction of, you know what, we should just start phasing human teachers out and we can start mm -hmm. you know, getting more to this technology thing. No, I think we've learned a very, very big lesson. There is no substitution for mm -hmm. the human connection to teach and there is no substitution yep. for the uh, full-on facial uh, 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 benefit of a smile and yep. a smile, an encouraging oh. smile for a child. And so we yep, have that gained is. that appreciation and knowledge in our education which gives us 14. Take us to 15, Lisa, and then maybe we'll Okay, now we can out. go out. Um, I'm going to take a, a, a con for many people and turn it into a pro. Okay. Masks. You know, we have so many anti-maskers out there. Uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to just mention a couple of great points of masks. One... You don't have to worry about putting on makeup every day as a girl. <laughs> I can go, I can go outside, and it really doesn't matter. Uh -huh. uh, uh, I'm saving on lipstick, and it's a wonderful thing. Uh, I also, when I think about it, I think that this year there's going to be a lot fewer colds, flus all these other things because we're wearing masks and we're washing our hands and we're learning how to be safe, which is right. something we never knew as a country before. Other countries were ahead of us on this. Asian countries right. always have worn masks when, th when people are sick to right. avoid getting it's considered sick. Considered a common courtesy. Um, yeah. Yes. It's well, a not common to get courtesy. anybody else sick. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So embracing the mask for me, I'm all for it. I'm going to be, I don't care what happens next year. You will never see me on an airplane without a mask. I'm going to wear them constantly. If I'm ever in large gatherings, especially at wintertime, uh -huh. mask. Really? I don't care. I, I, yeah, I, I don't want to. Um, I think it just keeps us all healthier. And I love hand sanitizer. That's all in the same thing. Um, but um, it's, it's all been, uh, I, I'm looking for the positive, and I hope other people will find the positive in wearing masks too. Yeah. You're keeping other people safe as well as yourself. And I'll close out with uh, something that relates back to Maury and what Maury always told me, and this will be uh, 16, which is perfect because I think it was 16 visits that I had with Maury, and so we're at 16 now. And that is, the absolute preciousness of human touch and ah. how much we need to be hugged and to be held and to be caressed and have, you know, just somebody put their hand on your shoulder, just somebody get close enough to you to, you know, give you a kiss on the cheek or, or yeah. rub on your head. Um, this is, this is not just, uh, something we enjoy. This is something that is essential to life. This is essential mm -hmm. to the human experience. And I think we've learned that. And when we do get 
to hug somebody because they're safe or they've tested or whatever. There's a richness to those hugs. There's a richness. Yeah. There's, a, there's a length that you hang on to somebody, keep your arm around them now because of how much we have missed it. And so we mm -hmm. have gained an appreciation of something that we took way too much for granted, and that is the enormous benefit of human touch. And so yeah. there are 16 things right there that we just rattled through that uh, are gains in this year of coronavirus. And if you can find 16 in, in the course of a 40-minute or so podcast, then certainly you can find many more in your own life in a given hour that you spend talking it over. So this New Year's Eve, probably not doing anything big, probably going to be talking with friends or family that are around you or maybe Skyping or FaceTiming with people. Why don't you play the game and say, okay, let's just list what we gained this year. First of all, yeah. you'll be amazed at the list you can put together. And secondly, it will lift your spirits because anytime you force yourself to appreciate, force yourself towards gratitude and away from complaining and away from depression, you're going to physically feel better. You're going to feel better about yeah. yourself. You're going to feel better about your world. It's been proven. It's medically true. And so find your way to that gratitude by making a list of the gains in 2020. And yeah. then- when the ball comes down on 2020, I heard that in Las Vegas, they're having the ball come down on 2020, and then they're going to blow 2020 up. They're going to take the, oh, the numbers <laughs> and just blow it up, and hopefully we can move on. So we wish you uh, uh, an explosively happy and optimistic uh, new year as it is coming up. And count the gains. Count the gains, and you'll find it much happier way to enter into 2021. Thank you, Lisa, for everything that you've done this year for making this program Aww, so you special. Too. And you've definitely been a gain, uh, but that was a gain last Aww, year. Oh, you're too, a gain. So <laughs> that was a gain last year, too. And uh, we will uh, see you on the other side of 2021 when we get together again. So until that happens, you can check out all of our past shows and discussion groups at wetuesdaypeople.com, wetuesdaypeople.com. And until we see you again, on behalf of Lisa Goich, this is Mitch Album saying Happy New Year and talk to you next Tuesday. Thank you for listening to Tuesday People. To be part of our conversation, join the Tuesday People community at wetuesdaypeople.com. Subscribe to our podcast so you don't miss an episode and share it with your friends. We look forward to having you with us every Tuesday because, after all, we're Tuesday People. <laughs>